Successful companies know faster growth requires the right tools. If you're doing two, 10, or hundreds of millions in sales, NetSuite by Oracle gives you a full picture of your business. Finance, inventory, HR, customers, and more, all in one place. From work, from home, anytime, anywhere. NetSuite, the number one cloud business system. Right now, get your product tour and free guide. Six ways to run a more profitable business at netsuite.com slash voices. That's netsuite.com slash voices. I have come here to chew bubble gum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubble Standing up and speaking out, here's Hal Sparks. Uh, what more could I ask for than a series of horrifying problems that uh, seem to be jumpy all over the place? Um, we may end up having to do a thing where I bring Johnny in. Hello, hello. Oh, there you are. Hi. Yeah, Talk Devin just called me audio-wise through the Facebook Messenger to say he's not getting your, your signal. That's weird because I'm hearing him and uh, um, I, I mean, I see them, but I don't hear them. So that he does. Weird. He just said he doesn't hear us. Oh, that's odd. All right. So you're fine. It's on his end then because he's hooked in. It's a board thing. I guarantee it. Oh, we're on the air. He says, I hear hey. you. Yeah. You See, I told you. Me. I knew it. See, I do. I told you it was a board thing. Who else? Honestly, honestly, who, what other host can troubleshoot blind from, <laughs> from eight right, so, states away? Yeah. Honestly. So we're currently like live on WCPT right now. Yeah, I know. We, and we have been the whole time. <laughs> really? Oh my goodness. Hi. Yeah, no, F- no, no. no I, yeah, right. No, we didn't do that. You didn't. No. You're you're completely fine. And no one is at the uh, um, FCC right now. You know, they're, they're yeah. all, what they they're all in quarantine. Right. And they're all at home swearing at their family members going, you right. know what? Maybe I was a little harsh with my language rules because <laughs> you get trapped in a house for a while and everything starts to go. So, um, hi, uh, everybody. It's the House Marks Radio Program Mega Worldwide on WCPD Radio and a rolling start, which is fitting to our times. I don't feel yeah. particularly... Uh, bad or wonky about those things. And I feel proud of the fact that I was able to, to, to figure this out from, I like, I could look at my computer, glance out of the left side of my, just like left glance over and go, I'm fine. <laughs> I've been, and I, I've, I'm personally hoping that everybody's spaghetti cleanse is going well. Oh, they don't know about that yet. Some of them may have not heard that part of it. So good morning, everybody. And uh, welcome to the next uh, potential. I'm going to go with, eight and a half weeks of your life. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. And um, it, you have heard the phrase, it's going to get worse before it's going to get better. Um, this is the week coming up where it's going to get worse. And the kind of worse that is scary, the kind of worse that any, any kind of generalized anxiety people have been um, experiencing. Thank you, Hal Vickery. Thank you, Lisa Miyamura for the uh, super chats. Um, those of you that have been, um, kind of aware of what's coming, paying attention, um, have are, are clearly going to be, uh, I don't know if you'll be emotionally ahead of the curve and you'll be like, you know what, I'm prepared for this now, or if it's just going to be a next step, I guess it will be very individualized. But in the, in the, in the case of New York's peak, uh, California's peak, um, Possibly Washington's, although they may have, uh, you know, flattened their curve as much as possible. Um, 
the Louisiana is going to get scary. Alabama, the rolling. Here's what here's what I find the most concerning. And I think a lot of people looking back over the last couple of weeks have I've really noticed is that New York and California and Washington State, because they were hit hard by it early, jumped on it with both feet, used the, the resources that their states have because of the incredible tax revenue that they have over other states and because of the amount of business and human beings just inside their, uh, their borders, that you know they started buying up the stuff that they needed. They looked ahead at this threat and started dealing with it. And a lot of other states like Alabama, Tennessee, Louisiana, um, Texas, they all were playing catch up, if not fully ignoring it yep. for the last five weeks. And, and the worst part is there, there's this tendency and I'm, I'm sure Johnny, you may know somebody who goes to this and I'm sure the chat room. So, and by the way, hi chat room. Sorry about the rolling start on the show, but we will. I'll, I'll get to you guys in a minute because they're they're uh, chiming in with all kinds of important stuff. Um, I'm sure you know somebody that, on the one hand, you can tell somebody, you know what, you need you need to stop eating so much takeout and start <laughs> cooking your own food, you yeah. know, because there's too much sodium and there's too many preservatives in the food that you're eating, and it's just not good for your health. And this is something we would like, to, you know, like as your friend, I think it would be a good thing if you do this, right? That's uh, that's a conversation I'm having with you on the air. No, I'm uh, that's a conversation. <laughs> like, hey. hey, I feel seen. Um, no, that is that is a conversation we've all had with somebody, probably a version of that conversation, whether it's been about something serious like um, alcoholism or drug use or something as simple as, uh, you know, uh, I uh, I think your diet is doing you more harm than good, or I think that person you're dating is uh, is poisonous garbage. and awful. Absolute you know what I mean? Garbage. So, uh, but everybody's had that conversation. There are usually three reactions, three main reactions to that kind of uh, intervention or advice from a friend. One is. And the one that's hoped for is someone who listens to what you're saying, takes it in as someone who respects and loves them and factors it into their thinking and perhaps changes their behavior based on that new set of information. Like that's a perspective I hadn't had. Maybe I'm too inside this. Maybe I was, you know, maybe this is a bad habit. If other people are noticing, you know, maybe it's further along than I thought. And I need to take a good, strong look at this. That's the healthy version. Maybe Second I'm one is, than I thought I was. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. My depilatory is lacking. <laughs> um, the, the second one is the um, I hear you, but it's my choice. Uh, and um, I'm not really I don't think you're right. So I'm not really going to do anything about it. Right. You know, I disagree. I hear you, mm -hmm. but I disagree, which is also another valid response. There is a third response, which I've seen in mostly in my friends who I've tried to push towards uh, a more vegetarian based diet over the years, where some of them will react specifically with, um, I'm going to go have a big steak tonight just because you brought it up. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. talking? You know that crowd? Oh, yeah. It's okay. the whole thing. Like it, I, I saw a meme saying, like, I, I'm the person who spends all their time sitting alone in front of their computer. But as soon as the government tells me to, no, I refuse. Yeah. I'm going out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
Well, that's what we have are about eight or 10 states that behaved that way. You know, that literally went, you know, like the Oklahoma governor saying, here I am with my kids at this crowded restaurant. Let's everybody go out and do stuff. Don't this is all a big Democrat hoax and it'll blow over. And states going, well, these big cities may need to do that. But, you know, as a matter of fact, we have an extra special reason to go out and spend time in public because we're we're not those big diseased cities or those heathens, you know. So not only will we ignore the advice where it pertains to our generalized life, meaning the uh, limiting my travel, not, you know, limiting my going to the store, limiting my eating out or stuff, just out of a, a sense of precaution, not visiting grandma right now because I just got back from Washington state. Right. Uh, not only that, but I'm specifically going to go there. And that's one of the scariest aspects of this whole thing was there were a bunch of states that were just doing that. You know, they were just like, like, it was like, it was this, you're not my real dad. You can't tell me what to do. Kind of <sighs> honest to God, like that was the yeah. response from it. And it's, it's not only a baseline immature, but there is an element of it that is sort of just it's it's an anti-authoritarianism that's kind of built into the American mentality anyways. But and which can be healthy at times, you know, you don't necessarily want it to be this, uh, you know, everybody to just automatically follow along. But that's only because. Automatically not following along means that you are interpreting all the information that's coming in and you're not just doing something because an authority uh, authority figure says to, but because you have you have made a decision that this authority figure is uh, most likely telling you the truth, mm. has a good grasp of the information and the building actually is on fire from your visual inspection. <laughs> so might not be the best time to go sit down at a table in it and have a meal. And there, but there are a bunch of people who just that act of differentiating, they view with hostility. Yeah. That, that, that you would dare. I mean, these are the, I mean, it's the same crowd that stood outside the, you know, the Capitol building, dressed as the founding fathers or militiamen saying, keep your government hands off my Medicare, like that, that group. And we are an interconnected, we are the United States of America. There's a lot of interconnected people and they're not all just Southerners, by the way, there's a bunch of people in New York who, when they heard one in a thousand people in New York has uh, COVID-19 left town it reminds me of that the old Pollock joke from years ago, uh, deferential to my uh, dear friends in Chicago um, who, who told it to me, who are of Polish descent, um, which always struck me as odd. Uh, the guy comes in and finds his wife cheating and um, she's in bed with her lover and he runs over and pulls a gun out of the dresser and puts it to his head. And she and the guy start laughing and he goes, don't laugh. You're next. <laughs> and, that joke is basically what the governor of Oklahoma did. Yeah. And um, hopefully people are waking up to this. Um, but that's a funny joke. 
I, I, it, I mean, it's a it's a solid turn. It's a solid joke. It's a solid turn, regardless. And and it's nice because you can you can lay it out. As a matter of fact, we have to take a break. When we come back, I'll um I'll I'll give you another joke that you can kind of insert person of choice here, and it kind of works for anyone you consider dumb. Um, but uh, hey, you'll have to. Wait I can hear you right now. By the way. Oh, rats! Where's that button? I knew I had a. I installed a cough button. It's big and red, and it has a big. Uh, John icon. knows. I think he's dumb. <laughs> um, we'll be back right after this, and when we come back, we'll actually be able to uh, hopefully hear Chicago, and uh, they'll be and uh, yeah, it's the House Park Radio Program, Mega Worldwide on WCPD Radio, Chicago's Progressive Talk. Progressive Talk. Oh, I heard a little bit of it just then. Oh, an echo. That's, That's a good me. Sign. Yeah, that's a good yeah, sign. That's, that's a good sign. It works. I'll take that. Um, um, Patreon.com slash House Parks is a great way to support the show. And of course, uh, we'll be back right after this. What do companies like Ring, Hint, and Tecovis all have in common? They all use NetSuite to accelerate their growth. Uh-huh. Yes, yeah, successful companies know that in order to grow faster, you must have the right tools. So if you want to take your company from, let's say, $2 million to $10 million or $10 million to hundreds of million in revenue, mm. NetSuite by Oracle gives you the tools to turbocharge your growth. With NetSuite, you get a full picture of your business. You get finance, inventory, HR, customers, and more. It's everything you need to grow all in one place. So you can run your entire business really from anywhere even if you're working from home like most of us are right now exactly with with NetSuite you are going to be covered so NetSuite gives you the visibility and control you need to make the right decisions and grow with confidence and that's why NetSuite customers grow faster than the S&P 500 NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system trusted by more than 20,000 companies and it's the last system you'll ever need if you want to find out, just schedule your free product tour right now. You can do that and receive a free guide, six ways to run a more profitable business at netsuite.com slash voices. You can get that free guide right now at netsuite.com slash voices. That's netsuite.com slash voices. I can hear you a little bit. Uh, your chat, your conversation just heads up. All right. Um, what, I, I'm a bad judge. Has it been 20 seconds? I think it has. Welcome back to the House Park Radio Program, Mega Worldwide on WCPD Radio, Chicago's Progressive Talk. I think we're cool right now. We're, we're uh, fixing our tech issues as we roll. I mean, this is the least of our worries. I'm surprised in a lot of ways. Thank you, Progressive Mike. Um, thanks, everybody, for the super chats right out of the gate today. You guys are wonderful. Um, the, the, the joke I was going to say before we went to break um, was the old um, guy, guy dies and goes to heaven. And uh, he goes, uh, he's walking around like getting a tour as you do. You know, there's an orientation process. And uh, he goes, oh, my God, is that Jimi Hendrix? He goes, yes, he composes all the music now. So when you're up here, it's not a harp music anymore. We got, uh, he works with uh, some of the most, Eddie Money just got here. They work together. It's fantastic. Look at them both over there just collaborating on the piece of music they always wish they had written together. And uh, um, wow, is that? Frank Lloyd Wright, yeah, he builds all the buildings. We were, thought we were too Greco-Roman, so we got out of that. And like, then they, he goes, "Wait a minute! Oh my God, is that Donald Trump?" <laughs> I didn't know he was dead. He goes, "Oh, he's not. That's that's God. He just thinks he's Donald Trump." And so <laughs> that 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 joke, you can kind of just roll into whomever you think has an enormous ego. Um, I'm sure I've been involved in it uh, in other people's tellings. <laughs> 
<laughs> and several uh, versions over time. Um, that being said, uh, that you know, it, 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 there are those things where you can kind of cut and paste in those situations, and there are a few cut and paste situations uh, more prevalent these days than sort of the the joke of uh, of Donald Trump. Um, and his response to the COVID-19 virus. Now, have you watched any of these pressers he's put up? Besides my wonderful takedown of them, which you can watch every day at infotainmentwars.com because every time they do one, I'm going after it because I I, am, I cannot watch anymore. I, well, here's the good part. You won't learn anything. Okay, good. <laughs> you will not come away with more information than you previously had. I did watch a fantastic Q&A with uh, Trevor Noah and Dr. And Fauci. Fauci. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, it, yeah the, that's it where you It was rudimentary, but I thought it was um, necessary. What were your big takeaways on that one? Well, my takeaways was that you got to hear from the horse's mouth, um, the, you know, the really the foremost expert on, right. on um, infectious diseases, uh, address rumors and um, hyperbole and give practical advice and say exactly what he what he knows and mm -hmm. what they he knows that they can't determine yet. And right. a lot of it were questions that I've seen answered either in his other pressers or from, you know, CDC related material. But it was um, it was lighthearted and um, factual at the same time. I thought it was really good. Right. Uh, a good way to get the info out there. Yeah, it's it's interesting watching and have and I've seen all of the pressers um, all the way through. Um, I have now just started. Uh, basically, they they shifted. I feel like everyone's complaints about these things are having some impact. In that Trump is now coming out saying his piece, taking some questions, and he leaves most of the time. And unless it's an unless it's a uh, um, an economic um, statement he's making. Like if he has Kudlow come out with him, he'll stick around for that stuff, but he won't go anywhere. You know, he like he'll, if, if there's not some economic news he can hang his hat on, he's out. He'll, he'll take three or four right. questions. And, you know, his, I think it was, was it Peter Alexander who he called a nasty reporter for, you know, for the, you know, the question that for the um, real questions for the yeah, just saying, questions. Yeah. Well, well, it wasn't even no, because it'd be one thing if you go like, Mr. President, you lied clearly about this. This is not true, which all is. I mean, there's a dozen places where you can go. Your response has been completely inadequate. You lied about what was coming, what was happening, what was going on. You're not prepared. There aren't millions of masks and everybody who wants a test can't get a test. All that stuff is not true measurably honestly completely not true it is yep. it and here's the thing nobody is expecting a um a, the tests for example for this fire and this is where having someone who has a, a mental grasp of what an actual threat is is valuable yes. um because Trump has basically like, you know, I tweeted earlier this week. I was like, you know, breaking news. Uh, Hammer um, uh, is mad. Everything uh, turns out not to be a nail. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, blames screwdrivers and wrenches for being part of the problem. And, and it was in reference to the fact that 
he only has one way of handling a stressor or a negative. And and it's by vilifying it like he can't, you know, everybody's saying he can't give coronavirus a nickname as much as he tries. Either call it a virus, a germ. I call it the invisible illness, the invisible, the hidden one. He's trying to find whatever sticks. So he's, you know, he's hoping that COVID like tweets him back angrily. And he's like, that's the one that hit a nerve. He doesn't like invisible enemy. I'll call him the invisible enemy. Um, And it's one of the most, you know, frustrating aspects of his response to this. That the, I mean, the clearest thing is if, if the country was attacked by an outside force, a, a foreign enemy, and you didn't care the language or the culture of the enemy that's that attacked you. And you just, you know, it was Russians and you start yelling at it and yelling at them in Arabic because you expect every enemy to be Muslim, that kind of thing. This is how this is his response to to covid. You know, he only has one possible response to this. So the over the last bit, he has been exaggerating, you know, the the PPE supplies that are coming in, the, he loves the word stockpile. He's been using that, even though there is effectively, there is no stockpile. It, it, even in, in like using the wartime idea where he's like, I'm a wartime president. I really am, if you think about it. I'm a wartime president. This is a war and um, against an unseen enemy that I don't have the intellect to understand. Uh, and, um, oh, I'm hearing myself, CPT. Um I can now. Yeah. Um, so that might might have worked. All right. Um, but the the issue I have with him is that when it comes to COVID-19, there are areas where you can be prepared and where areas where you cannot. One of the areas where you can be prepared is, you know, infectious disease will come in the form of uh, airborne or physical contact illnesses. We know this from H1N1. We know it from Zika. We know it from Ebola. We know it from SARS. We know it from MERS. That, I mean, we, we know it, if you don't know any of that stuff, from Bill Gates's TED Talk, right? Right. Like, we, we know what form of one of the next problems, even if it's not this particular problem, even if COVID hadn't been this kind, if it was another Ebola, which is a blood transference disease largely, and only during the time when the person is symptomatic, we would know we need PPE dealing with this. We know what the limitations of that disease and the spread are and how to isolate it. Coronaviruses, when they break, we also know the limitations of our societal stop points on it. So we know that they will spread through uh, people coughing and sneezing in public, handshakes, physical touch. We know it will be left on surfaces. There are known knowns, as uh, uh, Rumsfeld used to say, and there are a lot of them. What we don't know is the actual cell makeup of the next coronavirus. We don't, it's a, it's a unique disease, just like the flu every year. When we create a vaccine for the flu, it has to be modified because of, and a, a new one has to be generated, and it's much easier because we have the, that capability. It, we need a new one every year because we know what the limitations of last year's uh, vaccine is. No one knew right away until, I mean, until China posted the genome of this thing. No one was, you know, knew this exact disease. So having a test for it and having a vaccine for it are a 
months and years long process. So no one faults the government for not having tests immediately. But there is a time scale. The minute you the clock starts ticking. And we are not one week, not two weeks. We in the United States are six weeks behind that time scale. Hmm. We are we were six weeks late to starting the process. Even if we were as slowly rolling it as anywhere else. So um, we got to take a break again. We'll be back right after this. Um, I think we're uh, getting our CP. Yeah, there I hear music. Oh, it's so nice. Thank you, Benny Loco. And thank you guys for the super chats. I appreciate that. I missed a couple of them. And I will uh, thank you guys on the other side of the break on the air. So I appreciate that. Um, And she's saying, please, uh, Benny Loco saying, please hit the thumbs up. It matters on the... um, on the YouTube uh, page. So go to infotainmentwars.com. I mean you, Facebook. I may not ha- keep them open very long. Yeah, Facebook's, man, it's Troll City. I don't get it. I guess it's where the bang for their buck goes the furthest. I mean, they do buy ads in rubles. We'll be back. <laughs> it is shocking that your home can be stolen this easily. Let me share a true story. Deborah learned that brutal lesson when thieves found the title to her home online. Then they forged the documents to appear she sold her home, but she hadn't. Then they borrowed thousands using her home's equity. Deborah didn't know she was a victim until foreclosure notices arrived and an eviction notice followed. She spent her fortune trying to get her home back. The crime is home title fraud, and the FBI calls it one of the fastest growing crimes. The best advice for avoiding a title fraud nightmare is to protect your home with home title lock. And no, neither your homeowner's insurance nor bank protects you. For pennies a day, Home Title Lock does. So first things first, find out if you're already a victim of home title fraud. Register your home at HomeTitleLock.com and enter SAVE for one month of free protection. Again, enter SAVE for one month of free protection at HomeTitleLock.com. HomeTitleLock.com. Now let's get back to Hal Sparks' radio program, Mega Worldwide. Yes, mm, let's. Mm, mm. We got sound, we got callers, we got people. Uh, uh, angry people. Angry people calling in, it's great. Um, I, I don't know what I uh, uh, said to anger the troll, but I stand by it. Um, I will say, so um, before we take the calls, I want to say this. Um, so on January 29th, which was when... China closed its uh, the the border of people like they sealed in Wuhan so nobody could leave and they limited traffic um, going out of there. And then they started tracking people who uh, could, you know, who could travel to the rest of the country. Right. China jumped on it with both feet. This is when they started like welding people into their apartments. Okay, they were literally. Sealing people in. They had a guy die because they welded him into his apartment and he didn't believe he was sick or needed to be. So he tried to crawl out his balcony to the next floor down and fell off the building and died. Bunches of stories like that. By the way, uh, one of my Chinese sources um, who travels and goes there a bunch um, pointed out to me. 20 million uh, cell phones in China have uh, 
been have gone off, have, have disappeared effectively. Cell phone accounts have been shut down 20 million in the last hmm. four months since December. And until that time, they had always gone up. Understand you have a country in China where economic expansion is, is slow in a country that size. The number of people who had cell phones and, and phone service period mm-hmm. versus the number of people who don't is it, it like is a, you know, five to 10 percent of the public has access to that. And it's still more than most countries. Right. The people who don't have cell phones, don't have Internet, those kind of things are a massive amount of human beings. And th- so the number always goes up. And it started going down and be- like especially beginning of January. Do you think that's the government intervening? I think that's dead people. Oh, boy. Um, uh, and I mean, and and, you know, political activists and other people who are who are, you know, um, texting and, and putting stuffies on, on uh, stuff like um, selfies and uh, of people in the background who are being taken away in ambulances on WeChat and Weibo and all the sites that they have. Um, like those people got scooped up. They got arrested. Um, so it's a combination of a lot of people and in a country of that many p- human beings. Tw- you know, 20 million is isn't, you know. It's a reasonable number, Yeah, especially when you have a city of 35 million people. What you know, what's the death toll in a country like that? So the, the numbers out of there are always sketchy, always have been. I love the Chinese people, but the, the way the Chinese government handles this is horrifying. Um, and January 28th is really when they like when that lockdown happened, you know, where you couldn't leave at all. Just about then, five days later, uh, Trump stopped travel from China. That was the fourth or fifth, I think, was about then, somewhere around that area. Um, and on the 29th, the, the press secretary put out a, a, a press release that the president had put together a corona task force. January 29th, they put together a, a, a coronavirus task force. And they referenced in it that in 2018, he had signed the National Biodefense Strategy, hmm. which, first of all, you don't have to sign you implement it as part of your administration. It's a directive. You don't have to sign it. But okay, fine. Do you want to have a little, like, that's one of the things he was signing and wagging around at different times. He didn't, I don't think they had a, a signing for this thing. Um, but it was about the same time he killed the pandemic response team. So to basically CYA, they released a paper, the National Biodefense Strategy. Then later on, uh, this starts showing up. Um, you know, we're Intel just gave him a briefing on like in, in early January. They had one on the 22nd uh, that was like, Mr. President, this is bad and it's coming our way and there is no way to stop it. After Chinese New Year, so many people are going to come back to the United States who went home and the chances that they don't have it are slim to none. Somebody's going to bring it here. We will have to have some sort of response to this. So. Uh, seemingly begrudgingly, on the 29th, they formed the uh, president's task force. Now, who's on the president's task force? Just off the top of your head, who can me, you think me, of? me, me? Yeah, yeah. Who's who's? Yeah, no, you're not in. 
Uh, you, uh, although I would feel much better if you were. Thank you. Because you would be scared crapless, but you would go, this is uh, what I do know. This is what I don't know. And you would yes, be able to tell the right. difference. Yeah. Um, what, who, who, do you, who first comes to mind when you think of the task force? Who's in charge? Tense. Tense. Right. And, um, and who else is on there that, you know, we hear a bunch from. Uh, Steve Miller. Nope. Mm. Um, Fauci probably is the person that. Oh, yeah. I mo- thought they got rid of them. No, no, no. So Fauci's still, I mean, they're not going to be able to get rid of Fauci. Um, but um, he is the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease at the NIH. So there's no way you have a task force about this issue without, um, without him on it. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's a rubber stamp thing. And Hal Vickery in our chat is saying Burks. Um, uh, some people are saying Bob Barr. <laughs> um, Bob Barr? How many hours? Bar, yeah, V-A-B-A-R. Um, no. The, the initial coronavirus task force that the president put together was headed up by uh, um, Alex Azar, um, who's the, you know, the secretary of HHS, of Health and Human Services. Uh, um, Robert O'Brien, for na- the, the national security affairs assistant to the president. Robert Redfield, director of Center of Disease Control and Prevention, he's naturally going to be on there, as is Fauci. Um, Deputy Secretary Stephen uh, Bagan of uh, Department of State. Ken Cuccinelli from Homeland Security. Um, uh, Joel Sabat, uh, acting undersecretary for Pol- Policy Department of Transportation. Um Matthew Pottinger, director of and uh, sorry, assistant of the president and deputy national security advisor. Rob Blair, assistant of the president, senior advisor, to chief of staff. Um, Joseph Grogan, assistant to the president and director of the domestic policy council. Um, and Christopher Lydell, the assistant to the president, deputy chief of staff for policy coordination. And then Derek Kahn from the office of management and budget. Two of the people on this are still on the team. Oh, wow. Azar and Fauci. Um, and I think, I'm, I mean, I'm sure Robert Redfield is still in the process, but he's not on the task force. He's just at his job at the CDC. Um, and, but notice how, of all the people I read off on there, the majority of them are national security. Yeah. And, and then the other people who are seemingly overrepresented uh, are business and transportation. So crazy. There are literally two infectious disease people, both of whom already had the position. Like, you, they are a task force on this. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah. So the, what, they own, what, what Trump did in putting this task force together was – how will it affect business? Yep. And what are the chances this is a bioweapon or something? It seems to be their concern. Yeah. From who they put, put on this task force. Now, that task force has, you know, totally shifted. Azar, like I said, is still on it like it's, because he's, he's, he's the secretary for health and human services. He's going to be on that. That's, that's part of his regular order of business is tracking infectious disease. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, as are a Redfield and Fauci. That is the task force. The rest of the people put in there is all NSA 
national security and like domestic policy council, you know, but it's, it's curious to me that the shift initially about this was, is that almost like, is this an attack from China? Almost the men was the mentality of putting this team together. Now uh, this is me projecting on this. This is me reading into this, but considering the fact that these are not the people who are largely on the team now, um, it, it seems like that was their initial their initial priority turned out not to be what would actually solve the problem. Nope. Um, so overall, pretty fascinating. Now, and we're going to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to uh, take our callers. And then I want to the the in 2018, when when Trump got rid of the pandemic response team, he they released a six with how many pages is it uh, let's see a 29 page biodefense strategy implementation plan um and 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 priorities list all of which is cribbed from the pandemic response team but with no one running it they basically took the on-paper mission statement of the pandemic response team, pretended it was theirs, changed the language a little bit, and released it uh, as as their strategy, but with no one to implement the strategy. We'll be back. Now let's get back with HealthSparks radio program, Mega Worldwide. So in the... Um, there are a series of goals in this. Uh, oh, in, all right, I'm 20, done. <laughs> that's right. In um, in 2018, when they released this uh, White House paper on this, which the president, quote unquote, signed, which requires no signature, is simply it's super weird. It's super weird that they said in their thing that he signed this thing. This is a no, it's it's all just a list of goals and what you would do. And most of it is super obvious rubber stamp, boilerplate, governmental action item oriented stuff. Goal number four is in the, in the uh, pandemic response paper that they put out, which is always better than a team. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know why we even have football anymore. Why don't people just have a guy walk out on the, on the field and go, if they did this, we would have done this. And if they passed, we would have we would have tackled them here. Just explain just leave, it all after the fact. Yeah, yeah, and just have two stacks of paper, and we all sit there and watch while eating nachos. That that'd be exciting and riveting, and and show how I'm done with part of that. What great athletes the nat the nachos. I love part nachos. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so goal four in this paper was rapidly respond to limit the impacts of bio incidents, meaning you know bio threats in terms of warfare and infectious disease um section 4.1 of goal number four and remember kids you got to have goals if you want to get ahead um rapid the goal number four is rapidly respond to limit the impacts of bio incidents 4.1 compile and share bio threat and bio incident information to enable appropriate decision making and response operations across all levels of government and with non-governmental private sector and international entities as appropriate. 
4.1.1, ensure access to timely, accurate, and useful information, coordinate and exchange bio-threat and bio-incident information, and analysis across multi-sectoral stakeholders nationally and internationally. 4.1.2, coordinate federal decision-making to augment and support response operation, coordinate and communicate decision-making during bio-threat and bio-incident prevention, response, and recovery operations, rapidly identify and resolve at the federal level, eh, at the federal level, any resource and policy issues related to ongoing response and recovery activities, both nationally and internationally, meaning this whole thing about Trump going, you know, let the states do it. We're not there. You know, we're this is not our thing. Thank you, Tony. Um, this is not, you know, we, I told, um, we're not their shipping clerk. Remember that statement from this oh, week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. In the president's own goal paper, when he scuttled the pandemic response team, the people who would implement this, um, and they put this paper in place instead of an actual team, the people who would have implemented this, um, one of the, the president's own cited goals of the thing he allegedly signed um, in, in 2018 uh, is to rapidly identify and resolve at the federal level, any resource and policy issues related to ongoing response and recovery activities, both nationally and internationally, utilize intelligence, biosurveillance, diplomacy, healthcare capacity and capability data and modeling capabilities to maintain situ- situational awareness and support decision making across sectors and between local, national, international organizations and partners throughout the response. And then my personal favorite Notify, share information, and coordinate with international organizations and partners in accordance with the International Health Regulations and World Organization for Animal Health Reporting Requirements and relevant frameworks throughout the bioincident response. So talk to the WHO, talk to other uh, European counterparts, talk to all these folks, and coordinate the entire effort. Thanks, Greenseeker. Coordinate the entire effort um, through this thing federally. So if you if there's a there if we need ventilators, then the federal government will make sure that the rich states like California, New York, who, by the way, were the ones that told Trump this week, look, if we buy up all the ventilators and there aren't enough because we're going to buy every one you can get. We are the states with money. Alabama, Louisiana, they don't have any money. They can't run a deficit as a state. The federal government has to make up for that. So they're going to wait till the last second and try to buy these things and they're going to be gone. That's why Trump was like, you know, you can't give out from the strategic supply. You can't give like, you know, some to Iowa and then try and get those back. It's very hard to get them back. Yeah, because you can't pull them out of a person's mouth while they're still trying to breathe. Some people on ventilators are on for 30 days and and the longer they're on, the lower their chance of survival goes. So, like, the president's own goal work, his paperwork on this, is, it? I mean, he might as well have just shredded this thing on television every day this week. And, the, and Pence, who I am no fan of, is starting to look like a, a, a sycophant running entirely uh, on, if I don't kiss this guy's ass, we get nothing. Yeah. And I'll, I'll play at the top of the hour. I'm going to play a clip of uh, of Trump basically saying just that. Um, and uh, but let's take a caller because I think we've got old Bob on the line and I asked him to check in with us and I want to make sure he's healthy and happy and 
save. Uh, is he with us, Devin? Do we have him? And can we hear him? That's the important thing on our with our technical issues. Gentlemen, are you there, Bob? Yeah, yes, I hear yes, him. I am. Yes, I Excellent. am. Hope you hope you kids are well. We're trying, man. Uh, what, how was your week? Uh, well, I am uh, uh, currently since uh, Monday morning. I'm trapped in my cocoon like some big fat cyclophia moth that refuses to come out. Um, right. I. Uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I don't even bother listening to the uh, bloated loofah sponge in the White House. Uh, I think it's wise. It's coming from, yeah, if it's, if it's coming from J.L. Coven, that's the only president I want to listen to. Um, okay. Uh, the good news is uh, the little niece, she got over her regular flu. She's back working at the bank. Okay. Uh, and I heard today that uh, highway traffic in the state is mm-hmm. down something like 41%, which, if that's true, right. means people are, are actually listening to this. Right, right. Uh, uh, I might do it also points to the fact that. of, like, how much... It also points to the fact that how much highway traffic is business-related versus, you know... Uh, you know, people going to and from their jobs or staying at home. Um, a lot of times, you know, you, you, like that's a lot of trucks is what I'm saying. That's a lot yeah. of delivery. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and it is, but it is a good sign. You're right. I guess uh, my plan is Tuesday morning, mm-hmm. I will make a really fast uh hop into town and back, and then I'm going to shut down here for another week. Right. Uh, so uh, I am, you might say, what travel I do is, is restricted in just about every way. Geographically, uh, you know, it's either it's either four miles to Michigan City right. for a few minutes or, or three miles south of me to Westville for about, you know. And uh, I'm staying away from as many places as I can. Yeah. I think that's wise. Wear, uh, wear a mask if you do go out and, and uh, take those, uh, the, the if you have any of those Lysol wipes, which I highly recommend, if you're going to go to the market, wipe down the handle and the entirety of the entire, the top of the cart and uh, um, before you use it, simply because a lot of people will wipe off the handle, but they'll don't realize how much you pull the cart by the front of it sometimes when you're shopping without thinking. And people do yeah. that all the time. So that would be my own little extra thing. I, we got to take a break, but I, I'm so glad you called in and I'm glad you're well. Just stay healthy. Check back in with us. We're rooting for you. Uh, and we'll be back we're right done. after this. I we also had a check in that we had to do with uh, um, Ike. He's on the line with us as well, um, which is great news as always. Ike, are you with us? 
Yeah, buddy, no worries. I'm I'm all stocked up and can sit for the next month without any real problems. So I'm just going to watch it roll over, and I'm not I'm not going anywhere. Um, yeah, excellent. And I oh, do you know? Have you looked at the tracking for your state yet? Because there's a uh, there's a uh, site now that will you know that's going to track like they're tracking like what the bed shortage, what the ICU shortage, what the ventilator shortage might be, what the peak number of cases will probably be. They're 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 gaming it out over the next little bit. Um, do you feel like your state is ready? Uh, well, the last number I saw, we had like four hundred and something in the state, and as far as my zip code, we've got none. But uh, okay. we've got some resource. We've got some resources here in Charleston that uh, can handle quite a bit. Besides right. the military base, you know, we've got uh, the Medical University of South Carolina downtown. We've got several uh, hospital towers down there. Um, but for, you know, and yes, we're getting some of this political blowback. Some of these Republican blowhard mayors uh, put in a mandatory lockdown, and people. Uh, gave them all kinds of garbage about it. So now they're reversing it like a bunch of idiots. But, uh, you know, right. the fact is, is they can say what they want, but the smart people are going to stay home and, uh, traffic's very light. It'd be a good time to, it'd be a good time to pave the roads. But, uh, you well, know, that's what, uh, what Super was doing. saying. That's so funny. Right? I, my, my girlfriend was saying that as we, we went out last night to look at Vegas just cause it's, everything is closed down. Like they have, it's almost like um, Atlantic City after, um, you know, a hurricane is that they um, thank you, Joyce. Um, they have they, they've literally uh, put plywood up in front of all the doors. They have barriers at the ends of the driveways and there's a cop car with its lights on in every casino drive way that goes into the actual facility to keep people from just driving in and looking around maybe or just trying to smash and grab some of the nicer shops or whatever, but they are on with lights rolling t- like all night long. Um, yeah. We ran over, you know, there were a couple of places where like there were some potholes and some, you know, metal panels where they had been fixing the road. And that is one of the areas where like, that sounds like essential job stuff to me. Shovel ready jobs yeah. for a government would keep people, you know, working and construction workers and people working like that usually wear gloves, often wear face masks, you know, um, and making sure that they get sick leave. You're good. You know, that the chance of them spreading it is much lower than any, almost any other job, even a, even a house construction site because they're outdoors. So, uh, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I saw where Minnesota classified grocery, uh, workers and convenience store workers as essential personnel. So they, they're getting a little bit of a bonus in their work. Yeah. But, you know, this lays bare, this lays bare the whole system. You know, these are the people that they could give a damn about that. They, they care so little that they wouldn't raise a minimum wage for 10 years. And now all of a right. sudden they're falling at their feet and licking on their boots, on their shoes of the working class saying how great they are. And yet, at the same time, everybody knows all those debates and all those crocodile tears I heard out of those Republicans didn't do nothing to make me madder now. And by the way, for the banks that we bailed out and all this money these businesses have gotten from us and the tax cuts and all the special money that's been put in their pocket that they squandered on buying back their stock and handing out big bonuses and et cetera, cry me a damn river. Look here. 
if you want to get people's, if you, if they, if, look, this is the danger. The independent contractors and the people like what you were just talking about that live paycheck to paycheck, they're not going to be able right. to wait three weeks or four weeks or whatever. This is ridiculous. If the banks wanted to step into this and fix this, all he'd have to do is because, you know, most everybody's walking around with a debit card and most everybody, you know, that doesn't have a debit card has a credit card. Well, good. Here's what you do. You tell the banks here, here this is what you're going to do. You're going to put this money onto their accounts right now mm-hmm. electronically. Right. Here's the cash. Yeah. And then he put mm-hmm. he raised the credit card limits by three thousand dollars with zero interest. Okay, I agree. And yep. let's get this money out here now because I'll tell you what you're talking about. Why they're boarding stuff up? Mm-hmm. Another week or two, these people go without money. They're not going to have any food, and that's going to be yeah. a big deal. They're going to run to the grocery stores. This could cause a looting situation. Also, also the Republicans, when it comes down to their their thing. Another thing I want to point out is we fought like hell. I followed these debates. I've been sitting here listening to C-SPAN. I've been watching. Mm-hmm. I know what they did, and I know what they tried to do. Mitch McConnell, that right. dirty SOB. Look, that mm-hmm. $50 billion, he, he wants to use that as a slush fund. He's made it real clear. He doesn't want any oversight. 500. Yeah, 500, 500 billion, billion. Right. Right. Yep. He doesn't want any oversight. He wants to find a way to stick some of that money in his pocket, not to mention his friends' pockets, and do whatever the hell he wants to do with it. These people out here that talk like the Democrats are, you know, the, particularly the Bernie people, talking about how the Democrats are just a bunch of corporate this and that and the other thing. I got news for you. We fought damn hard to stop this crap. We fought damn right. hard to get that $600 added to your unemployment. We fought damn hard to get $1,200 put in your pocket, one-time cash payment. We fought and fought and fought for every damn dime of that. So you people out right. there that are continue, continuing this garbage about both parties are the same or the Democrats aren't liberal enough, well, you know what? Bernie couldn't do it on his own. And by God, the Democrats stood up, and we've been not only winning election after election after election since Trump's been uh, put in office, but we've been fighting and fighting and fighting, and we're going to continue to fight. And, you know, y'all get on board with us, and let's make this thing happen, because right now the system's been laid bare. And if the workers are going to learn anything from this, they ought to learn one thing for sure. You have got the power if you put a little, right. if you just sent, if all of y'all just saved a little bit of money back, just a little bit, to where you could go for a week or two and sit down, you'll bring these people to their knees because if they can't go through a drive-through and can't get fed and they can't get their garbage picked up and they can't get all these little things that they come to expect you to do, whether you get paid for it or not, we've right. got them on their knees. We're proving mm-hmm. the point right now, so we ought to, we ought to. We ought to use this as a movement. We ought to use this as a way of, you know, reinvigorating labor and getting it through these. Oh, and by the way, the gig economy, that's just a lie. That's just another way of saying we're going to screw you out of paying your taxes. We're not going to contribute mm-hmm. to Social Security. We're not going to contribute to your workers' right. comp. We're going to hang you for all the taxes. And guess what happens? The workers can't pay it either because they're not making enough money. So, therefore, it weakens the whole social safety net. In another way that they do, they're trying to which kill is what it. they want, so which the is what they want that, to actually have. Yep. Right. The less yeah. people that contribute, the better they like it. That's what the gig economy is about. You kids wake up. Don't take that crap. Go for a union. Let's get strong again. And uh, thanks a lot, man. Don't worry about me. I'll be yep. all right.
As long as, it, I'm, as, long I, as I don't bust I'm not worried. I'm concerned. watching these Republicans. Yeah. The only thing that can well, kill yeah. me is these damn Republicans. They're pissing me off. Right. Understood. I, 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 you, you can't I stop me uh, wondering about you and, and making sure you're all right. Like it's, it, and, uh, and I agree. Can't stop lying in the chat says hashtag. We like Ike. And, and that <laughs> nothing could be truer. So uh, yeah, we'll check back in with me, brother. We got to take a break. We'll be back right after this. Um, and by the way, I misspoke during the break when I was talking, uh, um, it wasn't 400 million pigs that China had to slaughter because of the disease that went through their system uh, a year and a half ago. It was 700 million. Jeez. They killed more pigs than two times the population of the United States um, because of a disease that went through their system uh, over there. Um, so when Trump says they're buying $50 billion worth of, yeah, we don't have enough pigs to sell them in the whole country. Um, we'll be back. I'm Dick Kay from Back on the Beat, and here is the Mega Worldwide Radio Program with Hal Sparks. I'm still looking for that clip. I'll find it uh, during the break, and I apologize to the chat room for having to listen to the dude's voice. That was voice. really hard, dude. It's rough, yeah. Uh, but let's take some calls, though. Who do we have uh, first up? Oh, right on. Hey, Earl. Go ahead. Hey, buddy. How you doing? I'm good. Good. Hey, man, I think you're doing wonderful. You stole a little bit of my thunder because I was going to bring up, you know, the governor of Michigan and the governor of Washington and how they right. walk line, you know, because it's really sad you have such a childish man in the uh, White House that uh, when people make an outcry for help, he uh, interprets it as an attack. And says, therefore, he has to put them at the bottom of the list of receiving uh, services and goods. And the people of the state of Michigan and Washington and probably other states are going to suffer because of this minor man that we have in the White House. Uh, Mm -hmm. The other thing I wanted to kind of touch on is I don't know if we can ever break that wall around the Republican Party and their followers to see how inconsequential the voters are to the people who are at the decision-making process of the Republican Party. They only need them for their votes, but they they obviously don't care if they get health care. They obviously don't care if they get unemployment. Uh, they obviously want to take their money and bail out the uh, big businesses. So, I mean, all of the work that you're doing day after day and weekend after weekend, the Republican guys that Dale, they call into your program uh, justifying their belief in the Republican Party. I just don't see how you can... I'll break through that denial. Uh, I see. I see what you're saying. Yeah, you know, I, here's the thing. Um, I have a, um, I have a strategy whenever I'm talking to somebody, especially somebody who calls in, because the people who call in are kind of like the activist class of of any group. You know what I mean? They, you you care at a in a twenty percent higher rate than your average person, and then there's also a, a group of people who 
it within that are even the finer edge of stuff, the, the hyperactivist class. And they're the ones who will, you know, call in late in the show and be trollish and all that kind of stuff. And I used to get caught up in arguing with that person as if they were indicative of a greater aspect of a group. Right. And it turns out if you look at the polling and how the, the nation has gone socially and toward, and how it feels about look at the look at the polling on the public option right now, for example, a lot of news about how, you know, Medicare for all is is polling at 52 percent. Having a public option pulls at 70 percent. There are a lot of people across the political spectrum who hear that and and are for it. Right. Think it's necessary. Think it's, you know, look at it as, hey, we got public schools and private schools. We should have a public option and a private option and insurance. There's nothing weird about that. You should have public hospitals and private hospitals and you, you can ensure somebody a baseline. Right. And so I'm not talking to that person who calls in, per se, who wants to argue with me in, in reality when I listen to them or I try to explain my point or if I push back on one of their talking points. I'm talking to the person just over their shoulder who may have been sipping the Kool-Aid but has not taken a big gulp of it, who, you know, I think I can communicate with. And that has ultimately been the case, you know, and it's why I don't in mass believe in the vilification of large groups of people. I lose my cool like anybody, but I will always do my best to kind of dial that back because I don't want to be one of those people that gives the, the right, especially ammo saying all liberals are like this and the intolerant left and all that stuff. I want to be the person that they're unfortunately they have to cite where they have to come with an actual argument. Um, and I'm not just crapping on them because they have an R on their Jersey. I don't live like that. I don't, I'm not a big team sports fan in life. Um, I prefer boxing and MMA to, to, you know, um, football and baseball. It's just the way I am. And because I like the one-on-one aspect of it. So is it, does it feel futile at times? It, can it get frustrating? Of course it can. That's true of everyone in everyone's life when they have a passion that they believe in, whether it's political or just a band you love. The, but the reality is I feel like that's my responsibility in this conversation. If I'm to bring anything that's different, if I'm, not, you know, if I'm here to toe the line or just rubber stamp stuff, it's not doing anybody any good. But if I can approach yeah. something from a, a different point of view, clarify some stuff, so that people don't think, you know, that comprehensive immigration reform from a Democratic point of view is not open borders. The, the, you know, and so if I can explain it to somebody, maybe they won't be convinced. But the person next to them might understand that that is not the conversation they are used to hearing. And they, are, they have been sold a bill of goods that may not ultimately be true. And if I can make them consider that... That's got value because it will keep the the cult like aspect. You know, the the true believers may never bend, but everybody else will go. You know what? That I I was starting to lean that way, and I'm it may be because I'm, uh, you know, I was being suckered. Maybe they're you know, and that's my that's my goal, and I will stick to that as long as I am on the air and as long as I do this as part of my career and my you know my citizenry. Because it has oh, okay. value. But I I hear you. I hear you that, you know, the, the callers that call in, especially the troll ones that freak out, I know I'm not going to reach them. But it's the listeners around them that were like, yeah, I don't like this guy. And then they hear me explain my point and not just vilify them. They might be a little more open in the future. And if that, you know, and that's how 
That's why I'm, you know, the incrementalist has become such a bad word. You know what I mean? But it is how all great change happens. Well, well, I, uh, I do believe in your concept because look at where uh, Universal was polling 10, 15 years ago. Look at where yeah. uh, single payer was polling 10, 15 years ago. Bernie Sanders has done a wonderful job of bringing to the forefront uh, the obvious contrast to what we have. And uh, and it's making people rethink about their private health care, and especially those people who find out that their private health care is not so great when you have to use it. You know what I mean? Well, you know, it, it, well except that... You know, the 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 implementation of the ACA, the the uh, initial uh, inputting of a public option and Medicare for all itself tracks back to Hillary care in the 90s. But this has been a wave that the Democratic Party itself has been working towards for decades. One of the reasons why Hillary got hit so hard for 20 years leading up to her running for office and why she was so hated and why they they created such a strategy against her as a politician was because she initially got it, it, it you know she was uppity enough as a first lady to attempt to get health care to children and people who couldn't afford it yeah so s chip and chip those are things that the democratic party has been fighting for as a group for decades, and I and this is not to downplay, um, you know, what Bernie wants to do and what he's been trying to do over time, but it is not so extraordinary and so vastly different in a lot of ways than the Democratic Party. And maybe for it's it's the difference between vegans and vegetarians in a lot of ways. Well, you and know, you, and, the reason why I was Bernie was I wasn't saying that yeah. there was a difference between he and the Democratic Party. I was saying yeah. that he was. Are more effective at promoting that agenda. I, I thought for years and years the Democrats didn't have an, um, an adequate advocate to uh, move masses until Bernie came along. Now Hillary did, well, like you said, it, did a lot of great yeah. work in the background and she tried to when uh, do right. things when Bill was president to try to get us better health care systems. But I don't think there were voices as strong as Bernie and uh, Elizabeth out there that were making the case. So when they came along, I think they that's were able true, to put it out. That, that's true, but I would make the same argument that there weren't as many, um, there were more civil rights uh, activist politicians in the 60s than there were in the 20s. You know what I mean? Time moves forward for a reason, and t and it takes time to convince people the existence of those ideas. While they may have existed early, you know there there was a version of Medicare for all presented in the seventies. UBI, which is the Andrew Yang system, um, and and the negative uh, in, or the uh, yeah the negative income tax, which were the two versions of how to present UBI, for example. Um, I mean, I the I read a thing last year. It was written in 1971 about that process. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, I know what you mean, because a lot of things that, um, that sound new are old and just have been re-, uh, re uh, Well, they also have to, it just takes, it's not that they're old ideas or that they're, you know, that they have new infusion. It's that, that those kind of ideas take time 
to be accepted because radical change itself, even the most radical change in the United States, even if you look at the civil rights era or even uh, suffrage and the women's you know, movement towards uh, voting, is a, was a hundred year struggle. Because, not because the people a hundred years before that were born morally inadequate compared to the people who were born in the time when it finally passed. It's that the ideas took place and grew in acceptance over time from a period where they were simply unheard of to a time when they were completely normal. That's how democracy exists. I mean, you could look at Greece, you know, uh, for the first kind of senatorial or, or uh, parliamentary, you know, the birth of parliamentary elected uh, representation, but you wouldn't have taxation with representation till 1776. Um, these things all take that time. So I'm, I, you know, and I feel like as a Democrat, I'm, uh, I feel like that's the one point I'm always trying to push is that if you want something to happen now, you better have been working on it 30 years ago. Yeah, but a lot of the people that are around weren't alive 30 years ago. <laughs> that's, that's very true. But here's the thing. What they want, more than likely, if they implement it, will take uh, uh, multiple decades of their life. And the best thing that a, a revolutionary can do or an, a person who has a unique idea that they really want, Andrew Yang will be working on some version of UBI. We're going to use it in an emergency right now. But there will be an argument for it in the future. But how you maintain it and how you manage it, it, it will take will be a 15 year legislative process to make it actually work. Um, I appreciate the call. I'm glad we had this conversation. Uh, too. Our argument will be yeah. just the mere fact that we have uh, automation coming in on the Great Bang. I mean, you know, uh, more yes, and more. That, jobs that's another conversation, too. Yep. Automation. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Appreciate it. We're going to take a break. Uh, we went way over the break, but I love talking to you. So we'll be back right after this. More of the calls. Um, uh, you're listening to the House Parks Radio program, Mega Worldwide on WCPD Radio, Chicago's Progressive Talk. We also have the House Parks Radio podcast, Mega Worldwide, on the Sexy Liberal uh, Podcasting Network, which is fantastic, um, along with uh, Steph and Frangela and John Fugelsang and everybody in the Sexy Liberal uh, Comedy Tour, which will be back on as soon as the... Uh, moratorium on live performances is lifted. We're going to be back out there making you laugh as best we can all through this process and through the electoral year we have ahead of us. We still have a, an, a, a primary going on. Jesus, sort of. We'll be back. Welcome back to the Hal Sparks radio program, Mega Worldwide. It's now time for the happy ending. Yay! Yay! Um, <laughs> I uh, I need to know as we enter into the happy ending. I'm going to take the last few calls, Johnny. What has been your uh, your um, quarantine watch go to? What do you mean? What have I been watching? Uh, yeah, like what's what? What was your? You know what? What have you seen? What have you? You know, you're like, oh, I need. I watched this and it was fantastic. What movie do you go to? You're like, this always cheers me up. You know what? I'm trying to mix it up a ton, but um, yeah. I recently just watched the second season of The Sinner on Netflix. I finally caught up on that, and I highly recommend it. Oh, that's the one with um, Bill Pullman. Yeah, no. Bill Pullman yeah. just tears it up. He's quietly one of the best actors in Hollywood. It's yeah, he's terrific in it. So uh, yeah, that's a good one. That's, yeah, both you know, seasons are amazing. 
Yeah, I'm. I'm a. I I enjoyed Mindhunter. I was very sad when they stopped production. Yeah, you know, there was a and. But you know what's interesting? And this is such a side note. But all the people who were who had their dreams dashed or something weird happened right before all this stuff ha- started may have ultimately had their life saved by it. Yeah. Like I keep thinking about like Chris Matthews getting, you know, booted off MSNBC basically like two weeks before this all hit. And I'm like, his, I can't imagine he's the healthiest dude in the world. No. And as I was watching before they started moving all their hosts from home and shooting there, um, you know, I heard somebody in the background on Rachel's show coughing <laughs> at one point, like a heavy cough. And then that camera guy or the audio guy died mm. that they had. Um, and she was broken up about it. And I keep wondering if that was him oh, a yeah. week before. And the, the stu- I've been to those studios. I've been on Rachel's show. Those studio, her studio and, and where they shoot, uh, where they shot hardball is like a hallway away. And it's a lot of the same crew. Yeah. yeah. You know, they, they, you know, cause they flip flop. So every other hour has the same crew essentially. So, you know, if you go, if you're on, uh, Chris Hayes's show, you can work Lawrence. And if you're Rachel's people, you can work the 11th hour because, you got to move from studio to studio, right? There's a transition between the two. Sometimes they overlap, but not often. And I keep thinking about like, she would have had some of his crew and vice versa. And if they were sick, you know, they would have carried it to those studios. Like, you know, there's that old Chinese proverb about the guy who, you know, his, he's at a village and, um, they they say you know it, this somebody comes through the town and for whatever reason like they give him a free horse they give him this horse and like oh, we want to give you this horse or whatever and and he gets this horse and everybody in the town says well how fortunate that is that you somebody gave you a horse that's amazing and he goes the father goes we'll see and everybody's like we'll see you got a free horse that's amazing what you can do with a horse in this in our society like you are automatically royalty because you have a horse now and he's like we'll see. And then his son, while he's riding the horse, falls off and breaks his hip and mm. uh, has to walk with crutches for the rest of his life. And everybody goes, how unfortunate that this horse somebody gave you, your son got injured on it. And, the, and instead of being sad, the dad says, we'll see. Mm-hmm. And then a war breaks out and the emperor comes through and conscripts all the men, all the, all the boys, the young men to go fight in the war and they all go off and die. And his son was the only one that was saved because he'd broken his leg having ridden the the horse like that. You know, you can't tell where those cascading experiences, you know, will lead, you know, and I think about that anyways, let's grab a couple of calls. We got a few minutes left. Let's grab a couple of calls that are in here. Who do we have next? We have Catherine. Excellent. Hey, Catherine. Hey, How are you? How are you holding up? I'm, I, I'm holding up, thanks. I'm a single mom with a 13-year-old boy. so, <laughs> And I'm in suburban Chicago. Um, so, you as, know, a, as, a, as someone who was a teenage boy in suburban Chicago, I uh, both pity and congratulate you. 
because uh, you get both. Yeah, there's there's a lot of PlayStation going on. <laughs> okay, so I know what game system he's on now. He'll 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 have to find he'll have to yeah. find me if he you know if he switches to Xbox. Yeah. I'm on there mainly, but yeah, right. So, yeah. Uh, anyways, yeah, go ahead. I mean, he was he he was already having this lifestyle before it. <laughs> right. It's yeah. just now. It's um, now. It's he's ready to go pro. He's going to be a every exactly. every kid is now going. I could be a pro gamer, Ma. I'm getting good at this. Right. Yeah, because yeah. he has friends all over the country. He already had this lifestyle. He's his best gaming friends. One's in uh, New Hampshire and the other one's in Ohio. So whatever. They already have this lifestyle. But We, we, um, we hope. We hope they're not prisoners. We hope they're not prisoners <laughs> yeah. with computer access. That's the big scary. My friend Dave, he's 16 too. His dad's such a jerk. He'd be like, yeah, no, he's he's... <laughs> He's he's a triple murderer. He that's the like that's always the fear. I hear you. Uh, <laughs> we can talk gaming forever. So, um, well, have him have him, have him come to my Twitch channel. We'll we'll talk there. That'll be good. Oh okay, I, I will. Um, he knows yeah. you back from your from your Disney days. Um, yeah, but right. I want so I rent properties in northern Wisconsin. I inherited this these cabins from back in my my family's had it since nineteen fifty, this property. And what's okay. been going on up there which is deeply red Trump country up there. And um mm-hmm. which been very fascinating. Starting about two weeks ago, they sent out um, all the counties in northern Wisconsin, including Door County, sent out these press releases to um, that. I, and people were sending me these things saying, um, second homeowners stay away. Basically, a couple different reasons. The rural health care can't take care of, you know, they, right. can, they're, they don't have good rural health care up there. And they have a very right. elderly population. So, but, so I, in, I decided to stay here. But initially, I really wanted to go up to our cabin. But uh, it's actually gotten very unfriendly, apparently, I hear, to any mm. outsiders and the, snow, the snowbirds coming back. And so now they're yeah. having their first cases, and I think it's really going to be bad um, because they can't, yeah. they don't have the ventilators at those hospitals, or they'll have one maybe or two, and it's going to spread quickly. Um, I know that there's already two cases on a reservation up there, and uh, so I'm mm-hmm. very concerned that they don't have the, the health care. Yeah. And Lu- uh, you know, that's Louisiana. Yeah, Louisiana. Beyond, uh, you know, New Orleans being known as a kind of vacation spot, there is a tremendous amount of oil and gas and uh, and shipping down there. So a lot of New Yorkers, for example, who run their business in that area decided, OK, we're going to go down and stay closer to business and get out of New York since so many people are sick here and took the disease with them. And that's true of dozens of areas because of people who have. Well, I have a rental property, you know, that, you know, if, if you can afford a place in New York. You can afford a rental property somewhere in Kansas or Iowa. And yeah. so a lot of people buggered off to those places and and are spreading it in areas right. where they don't right. have the capacity. It, you know, New York definitely doesn't. But you damn straight, like Idaho doesn't have the beds it's going to need, especially if they get a, uh, a flow through of those people. So you're absolutely right. And they are not prepared because they, they were late to the game of telling people to stay in and stay home. So... For you and for me and for everybody, um, stay home. If you don't have to go out, don't go out. If you do have to go out, wear gloves, wear a mask, cover your eyes, clean up before and after yourself like you're a murderer trying not to leave evidence and fingerprints. 
Um, we'll see you guys next week. I will be streaming later on today on my uh, YouTube channel with the presser and uh, for fun. We will get through this. We will deal with these tomorrows as they come. Take care of yourself. Take care of somebody else. We'll see you soon. Um, stick around for the post show. Johnny, love you. You're awesome. Love you too. At J Million on Twitter. We'll be back. Thanks, Devin. Thanks, everybody at, at CPT. Stay healthy, you guys. You're parked outside the restaurant where you're meeting your date in 10 minutes. Glancing in the mirror, you notice your wrinkles and large under-eye bags. You rummage through your bag thinking, where's your secret weapon? And there it is, Plexiderm. You apply the clear serum under your eyes and boom, two minutes later, you start seeing the under-eye bags and wrinkles disappearing in front of your eyes. You'll look years younger. Plexiderm is the clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under-eye bags in minutes. It's the Valentine's Day gift you give yourself. Go to TriPlexiderm.com and enter Voices for 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. Again, enter Voices at TriPlexiderm.com to get 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. This offer is also available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mention code VOICES. Plexiderm is backed by a 90-day money-back guarantee, so to get our special discount, enter Voices at triplexiderm.com.